Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal topics. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone else you feel comfortable being with. This is Waiting for Seconds, the interview podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are. And I thought I was doing the intro, but uh, I guess I'm Malcolm Outkelt and I'm here with Shannon Miller. And today we'll be talking with Joey. Uh, hey, Joey, uh, hi, go ahead and introduce yourself, I guess. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Joey. I'm a Jewish Canadian from Vancouver. I'm, I'm planning to go to law school in the next couple of years. Well, hell oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I met Joey, uh, a couple of years back now, uh, through a mutual friend, somebody I was going to high school with, and how did you meet him again? I went to university with them. Ah. Wait. Wait, in Colorado? Yes, so I went to school in, I went to university at University of Denver in Colorado. Oh. Oh, and I, uh, I joined a Discord server, and Joey was, I think, already in it. I think so. Yes, because it was the new one. That's correct. Because uh -huh. it was the new one. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we both played Halo. It's true. It's oh, true. Those days, those days, I miss them. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're not gone. We can still play they can't, Halo. They don't have to be over. <laughs> I work too much now. And... I don't have time for Halo most of the time. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. But do you have any kitties? You have any little kitty cats? I have no pets, unfortunately. Damn oh, it. Um, I wish I had a dog. One day. One day. One day. One day. I love dogs. I love dogs too. Well, uh, we brought you on because we wanted to ask you a couple of questions, as I'm sure you expect. Uh, yeah, that's unsurprising. Uh, <laughs> I've been uh, informed. <laughs> you've been informed. Okay. Uh, well, I wanted to actually start by talking about uh, your law. Uh, I know you just recently passed. What was the test again? Um, the LSAT, which is the general entrance exam to enter law schools in Canada and the U.S. Hell yeah. Gotcha. You just recently passed the LSAT. How, how was that? Was it extremely hard is basically the question. Uh, I think most people find it extremely hard. I didn't find it too difficult. Personally, yeah. I took both took a class that had a it's very much a logical reasoning test. Mm. And in my last year at university, I took a class about logical reasoning and argumentation, which is what the LSAT is about, mm -hmm. which helped a lot. And I've also always been a good standardized tester. So, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't find it that challenging, but I know that a lot of people do. Yeah. So uh, you took a, a logical reasoning class. I'd love to, I mean, I've heard about classes like that, but I'd love to ask you a little bit more about what the actual content of that was. So it's kind of difficult to describe without my notes uh, from the class in sure. front of me. Yeah. But basically the class was called thinking and it's just about how to look at arguments and evaluate them 
and consider their merits and flaws, how to criticize them, things like that. Um, that's what was sort of the main content of the class. We also, I think once a week, maybe once every class, did a, had a logical, like some sort of logic puzzle. Mm, okay. To do stuff like that. Mostly writing and coming up with answers to logic puzzles, things like that. So it's not really like you guys didn't really do debates, but it's more like a reason, the explanation here. Yeah, sort of reasoning and creativity. Interesting. That seems like a very interesting uh, class. Yeah, it was. Is that so? You were. I'm. I'm. I'm lost. Um, were you doing like a psychology? Uh, major beforehand um no i took an oh. international studies major it was a general purpose course. it was a course that filled a requirement that every student has to take in their last two years okay but then doing that led you into law well i was planning on going into law anyways okay. um this class okay. isn't what made me decide to go into law uh i was already planning on going into law for a while and that was just one of the more interesting classes I took. Was there something in particular that pushed you towards law? Hmm. I mean, yes. To be honest with you, I really want to help people mm. and mm. to try to make the world better. And I think that law is a good avenue towards that because I don't really plan on practicing law when I get out of law school. Obviously, I'll have to for a little bit because... Mm. I don't think you have to do it in the U.S., but in Canada, you have to article at a law firm before you become a full-fledged lawyer. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't... Yeah, so you have to go to a law firm and basically work there for, I think it's a year or two before oh. you can take the bar, which is the exam, to actually become a lawyer that can practice. Okay. I've just never heard of the term article before, so that was... Uh, unless it was, like, news article, so... This is, this is new lingo to me. Yeah, so um, after that, I plan on either going to work for a company or whatever, and maybe one day get into government. I don't know. We'll see. Law does feel like a really good direct way to be able to impact people's lives and help those who are wrongfully convicted or, you know, in a bad situation that they can't really get out of without your help. Yeah. I, I That's sort of what I figured. Yeah. Especially in a place and in a system where law is decided by precedent mm, where yeah that's true yeah. so uh going into that a little bit more where would you like to be in five years would you like to be into law like uh into government or would you just like to be a, just a lawyer i think five years from today because i'm not going to law school i'll probably be articling by then because law school is about three years mm, okay. Uh, okay. so that's probably where, where I'll be in five years, probably articling at a law firm. Be done with law school and articling near yeah. the end of your like employment there before you can go on to actually be a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere, something like that. Uh, where are you planning on going to law school? Is that anywhere interesting in particular, or is it just some Canadian school I've never heard of? <laughs> um, if I can get in, I don't think I can, but we'll see. I'd love to go to University of Toronto. Okay. Um, but I don't think that that's going to happen because it's a top law school in the world. I learned recently, not just in Canada. Damn. Um, Damn. So probably a Canadian university that you've never heard of. 
like uh, Toronto, <laughs> like Toronto Metropolitan University or something like that. Well, I wish you the best of luck with the uh, University of Toronto. Then, I mean, clearly you got the skill set. You destroyed the LSAT. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Unfortunately, I wasn't the best student in first and second year university, and especially mm. during COVID and quarantine, because I was oh, here yeah. at home in Canada, yeah. not even in Denver. Oh, God, so. yeah. But I was a really good student in fourth year, so COVID just that hit. makes up for it. Have you actually talked about uh, like how COVID has affected people? So I'd love to know what was it like for you, at, like going to a university down in Colorado, but having to stay up in Canada. How how did the rest of uh, COVID basically affect you? I think that it was honestly for the best that I came back home. Mm. While it did make it more difficult to like sit myself down and get work done for classes. I would have basically been alone in an apartment for a year and a half. Mm. And that's very depressing. Yeah. So it was nice to be at home because I got to be with my family and my whole fam immediate family was here, which is not something that we ever really thought we'd have again. Cause my brother was supposed to stay in the U S when he finished his grad school, mm. but he came back because of COVID and has now started to build his life here. So it was, how did COVID impact me? It was almost like it didn't happen in hindsight, but mm -hmm. I very much remember just sort of being unmotivated and uninterested in things. And that sort of seemed to be the general vibe of all the rest of the students at school. Everyone was very unmotivated to do things. It did make yeah. running the clubs very hard that I was <laughs> in charge of. What clubs did you run? I was, during COVID, I was the uh, vice president of Fandoms Club, of DU Fandoms Club and Anime Club. Okay. Um, however, the president of both of those clubs, who was also one person, uh, was one of the people who had very little motivation to do anything during COVID, and I did most of the actual running of both of those clubs during that time. Uh, after that, in fourth year, I became the president of both of those clubs and the treasurer of the Dungeons & Dragons Club. Oh. <sighs> I didn't know they had a D&D club. I want a D&D club. Fun fact, it's the biggest club on campus. Biggest regularly meeting club on campus. That's very cool. <laughs> uh, it sometimes surprises me how many people have gotten into D&D, but like a, a fun escape mechanism, and it's so mm -hmm. many people are nerds these days, man. It's great. I, I'm, it's great being a nerd. I love every second it's of it. It's great being a nerd. <laughs> it's great being a nerd. And it's even better now that it's socially acceptable. I need it on, need <laughs> yeah. it on a t-shirt. It's great being a nerd. It's great being a nerd. Yep. Not merch. We don't we don't do merch. We don't do merch. <laughs> not merch? Now you're not gonna make an it's great being a nerd shirt. Maybe something uh, down the line, but not right now. Yeah, only if it catches on. Only if we get cool. I, um, I think you're pretty cool. Aw. <laughs> I think you're pretty cool, Joey. Thanks. Well, uh, I would ask, do you, I assume, because you're president of, or treasurer of the D&D &D club, you play a lot of D&D. &D. Um, not right now, but generally, yes. Mm. Technically, I'm not playing any D&D &D right now, but mm. I am in two non-D&D &D campaigns. Ah, you're in Vampire, right? And then, what else? And I'm playing Troika in my Sunday group, which normally Troika? plays D&D, &D, but yeah, it's a very weird system. It's fun. 
Uh, what's the what's the basic premise? Um, <laughs> I've played one session of Troika ever. Uh, <laughs> the basic premise of Troika, from what I can gather, is Troika is called the Endless City of Troika. And okay. it's just... chaotic. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm playing as... you. So you roll for your class, which is also your background, um, okay. and your race. And kind of your race, not necessarily Interesting. Race. But there are some classes that are races. Um, I am a Temple Knight of Talak, the Swordbringer. And I have start with six swords out of your 12 inventory slots. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of which take up two if they're a great sword. Ah. So you have a and, lot of swords. And with the other starting oh, equipment, yeah. my inventory is actually full um, ah. <laughs> to start. And for every two swords I have, I get an extra armor, which means that I can have more armor than most other people. Huh. And that's just so like... you fill your inventory with swords. If I'm never not overtly armed, if I ever don't obviously have a sword on me, I uh, lose my blessing. And I have to make a sword and give it to someone who doesn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's I, think very I'm fun. Playing, I think I'm playing the most tame of all the subclasses, of all the mm. classes of our party, in our party. Yeah. That's the most tame. That's, we have one person that's, who's that's like, like very fun system. We have um, one person whose class is like just they consume things and they are capable of eating pretty much anything. So they're Kirby. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, well, Kirby can consume damn near everything, but we have someone who's a monkey farmer. What? He has six monkeys that follow him around. Did he fight with them? He can. But their their final purpose is obviously for slaughter to eat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a monkey farmer. Yeah. I gotta. I got I'm looking it up as we speak, and I'm. I want to play it. It's a this crazy. Seems like a dope. very fun system. It is. It's very fun. It's very trying... fun as long as you're prepared to lean into the chaotic of it. How uh -huh. chaotic it is. The insanity of it. Yeah. Well, is a is. D&D, or I guess uh, TTRPGs more generally, uh, a major part of your life then? Uh, right now, yes. I, I enjoy them a lot. I would say so. Mm -hmm. um, I really do like playing them because it's sort of an outlet for storytelling and mm -hmm. for just spending time with friends and, I re and creativity, and I enjoy all of those things. A good excuse so, to be creative with a bunch of friends. Exactly. I, I love the collective storytelling of D&D. Sometimes it makes it harder to tell certain stories, uh, mm. which is definitely something I've noticed as a GM, just the medium of speaking about things and not being an artist who can mm. draw things. Um, definitely can limit what kinds of stories you can tell, but it's still mm. very fun. Uh, has you, have you ever really, like... I mean, I know that I've made friends through D&D. Have there ever been any major, like, life events or serious, notable parts of your life that are focused around D&D or TTRPGs in general? I, I wouldn't say life events, but I would say that I really like storytelling and writing. Mm. And that's something that I really think I developed from D&D. Ah, uh. I always thought that stories were really cool and that writing was cool, but I was never very good at it, and I never really like refined it very much or did it on my own until I started playing D&D. &D. And 
like I would say most people who play the game, I started pretty not great at it. But <laughs> as time goes on, you get better at writing and role-playing and, and being in the minds of characters, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really helps you become a better writer. And I've noticed that a lot of people who play TTRPGs learn how to write through that. Have you ever... I mean, I think that's probably true of me, but I don't really know if that's actually come up in my life. Like, I don't do a lot of creative writing, um, but I do... I have written a lot of, like, papers and essays and stuff Mm -hmm. like that for school. Have you ever noticed if that has come up in your schoolwork? It... I find it does help me with being concise in my schoolwork to an extent. Yeah. I learn how to get points across a lot faster, especially if I'm a GM, like yeah. uh, running a, a campaign for someone. I need to get across what's going on and what I'm trying to convey in a simple and easy to understand manner. And I, although it's not always the case, it's better now in universities where they will accept an essay that is perhaps shorter, but far clearer and far mm. better written. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can fluff out your essay to be 40 million words, but (laughs) if your essay is two pages and gets across all the same things in a much easier to understand way, it's just a better essay. (laughs) Uh Ah, just a downright better essay. Yeah. Although, all in all, I would say it hasn't had too much of an impact on my schoolwork writing. I feel like Mm. it's very different. I've refined my storytelling through Mm. D&D, and I and writing for school is kind of a different kind is a different kind of writing. There's not a lot of that writing is very formal and very specific. Where D and D storytelling that's improv and team collaboration, mm-hmm. where those don't really come up in formal writing. It has helped me with thinking on my feet for like timed essays and things. But mm. other than that, I would say that it hasn't had a huge impact. Well, you just mentioned uh, that your brother came back to, uh, I don't remember what city you're in. Vancouver. Vancouver. Your brother just came back to Vancouver. uh, And I'd love to ask you a little bit about your family. I mean, obviously, you didn't really expect him to be returning anytime soon, Mm -hmm. but he did. Did that have any significant impact on either your future plans or your time during COVID, mental health maybe? Definitely. It was definitely a positive influence on my mental health during COVID. Um, (laughs) Having my brother here in the house with me, Mm -hmm. rather than just being with my parents, because it's just a different kind of dynamic that you have with your parents. Um, I'm very lucky that I love my parents. My parents are very good to me. I have a very good relationship with everyone in my immediate family. But yeah, I was very glad my brother came home. It definitely had a positive impact on my mental health. I wouldn't say that it changed any of my future plans, really. Uh, it definitely changed his. But mm, yeah, because he's staying there and setting yeah, he's up staying, home base. Well, during COVID, he actually met his girlfriend. Oh! His current girlfriend, and he, they've been dating for a couple of years now. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, they are... So he's sort of building his life here now instead of building it down in North Carolina where he was at school. Is he still studying at the same school? Uh, no, so he actually came back after finishing school. Oh, okay. uh, so okay. he happened to finish school in March of 2020. Gotcha. He finished his graduate program and then he came back. 
Or he came back like nice. three weeks before. Right, but it's still, I mean, it's still finished. Yeah. He still finished finals or. He he was nearly done when he came home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of your relationships uh, with your family or immediate family, did you have a relatively good childhood? I would say so. I My parents are excellent role models for my brother and I. They're great parents. I love them both very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that I had a very good childhood. Simple and simple and yeah. sweet. I mean, which I understand is lucky. Not as many people have as good of a relationship with their family as I do. Especially, I met a lot of people, especially at school, at university, that have very different family situations from me. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it's good that you acknowledge that because. I know a lot of people just think that their family is how every family is and not all it's, it doesn't happen often mm-hmm. um, that yeah. parents are. Cause I mean, or... mm-hmm. sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, cause I would imagine, I don't know. I don't have any firsthand experience. Raising a kid is hard. <laughs> yeah. From like, from my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> like, Everything that you do has an impact on that kid, especially early on. And and you have to make do everything you can to make sure that it's a positive impact and not, not a negative one. Which is hard because it means that you kind of have to try and be at your best all the time. Everything you do always affects them. Mm-hmm. But there is kind of a balance of like, you need, yes, you do need to be positive all the time, but I also feel like the kid needs to also see you at your worst not like towards them but like just in your day-to-day just to understand if you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i do i do yeah you want to try and there's a distinction between necessarily being at your best all the time and being a positive influence on them all the time right like even at your worst you want to be like handling situations in pro in a proper way at Mm. such that like you can maybe lose your cool or like just sort of be struggling with something and not be doing a good job. But there's a diff. but like to show them that, oh, maybe you're asking for help or talking it out with someone, a problem that you had. Like it's important to show them both of those things and how to do it properly. And right. avoiding getting violent and those kinds of yeah. binge drinking or anything like that, that often will have very negative repercussions mm-hmm. on a child. Yeah, right. exactly. You want to try and, be a good role model for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to act like everything's perfect all the time because then they start to develop the idea that everything, everything has to will be always be perfect. Right. Yeah. And if their life isn't perfect, they're failing. And, mm-hmm. and that has even more of a severe psychological effect on a child than yeah. just Definitely. having problems. It and seems so simple. With... It seems so simple on paper, like to to be to raise a kid, uh-huh. but then when you actually do it, it just seems like a pain in the ass because not even the kid's going to be the same mm-hmm. as on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of people forget that there's the physical side of raising a kid well, making sure they're well fed and taken care of, and then how, and how closely linked that is to the mental side as well. Like that they're not separate; they're the same; they're one and the same. Yeah. 
Do you plan on ever having kids? I would like to one day. One day. Um, certainly not anytime too soon, considering I still have to go to school more before <laughs> I start my actual career, let alone buy a house in Vancouver. Um, <laughs> God, uh, I assume those uh, prices ain't good. Sounds expensive. One of the most expensive, highest costs of living in the world. Cool. That's awesome. I would like to live here when I grow up. Obviously, who knows where life will take me. Maybe I'll stay in Toronto. Maybe I'll meet someone there, and this, that's where I'll decide to raise my family. Mm-hmm. But Toronto's on I the like other. Vancouver quite a lot. Toronto's on the other side from where you are, right? Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's out east. I have, I have a lot of family out there, though. Oh, that's good. I, I know if I was to move to eastern side of the united states i don't it would it would be hard to to have the balance of family and still have life fair enough but i mean i've sort of done it before like moved away and come back mm. and still being like when i went to school i was gone for not actually four years because of covid but for like two and a half years give or take <laughs> Right. So I, I sort of learned how to balance keeping in touch with my family with having friends and having my own separate life. Mm-hmm. Was it ever stressful to be separate, though? Um, from my family, I didn't find it to be that stressful. I've been going to summer camp since I was. Six or seven, I think seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And obviously I started with only like five days and it used to be much more stressful for me when I was seven years old being away from my parents for the first time. But by the time that I went to to university, I was... Oh, sorry. Give me one moment. Oh, fuck. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, It's all good. Should I just pick up where I left off? What was I saying? Crap. Uh, Talk about (laughs) the stressful uh, life of being away from family, but not actually the family part of it. I yeah, think so, you were saying yeah, by summer the time camp. You got to university. I, by the time I got to university, I was going away for like two months at a time, like six to eight, eight weeks at a time during the summer. Mm. So I was used, I was sort of used to being away from my family. Mm. Well, you do have a lot of, uh, a lot of your future plans truly sound very stressful, like raising a kid law school on its own <laughs> trying to become a lawyer and then being a lawyer <laughs> and then being a lawyer yeah <laughs> uh how do you currently and how do you plan to manage that stress um so i've learned how to manage stress very well and i learned it in my last year of university when i was the president of two clubs the treasurer of a third and also taking a full course load um and also at university. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the first full course load, right? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, at DU, which is a quarter system school, so we take four classes. We basically take three semesters in a year instead of the regular oh, okay. two. <laughs> so an extra set of classes, so it's even less time to do everything. Uh-huh. Um, lovely. And honestly, I used to not handle it very well. I used to sort of just break down under it and not do my work. But I sort of learned just how I get work done and when I'm most productive and how to make sure I'm productive when I need to be. And that helps me. I find that I'm just not really as stressed about things anymore. Uh, mm. When I do get stressed about stuff, 
I'm just good at sort of not thinking about it, <laughs> which is not probably the best strategy in the world, but it works because I don't think about it until I just think about it long enough to pick a time to get it done, which is usually I'll wake up early to get it done just because I'm most productive early in the morning. <laughs> and then I just don't think about it until I'm actually doing it. That's interesting. I don't think we've ever heard that answer of effectively just how do I manage stress? I just avoid thinking about it until <laughs> I can do it and get rid I'm of the stressor. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, it works for me, I find. I just I, try to, when something's really stressing me out, I used to put it off. Now I just get it done when I, <laughs> it's distracting me enough that I can't think of anything else. Yeah, and I mean, if it works for you, that's the important part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I sort of had to train myself to do because it's uh -huh. something that I, I needed to get good marks in my fourth year because I didn't have good marks before that. And I wanted mm -hmm. to get into law school. And I felt like I and because I volunteered to be in all these positions and clubs, I felt an obligation to get all that done. Mm -hmm. And in order to get all that done, I had to learn how to manage my time and deal with the stress of it. How, um, what did that process look like for you of learning how to how to deal with those things before they actually became problems or well, deal with them once they were problems. The, there's just, there's one more thing about dealing with stress that, because obviously oh. even then you can't avoid stress. Mm, it doesn't, yeah, sure. you can't just be like, oh, I just don't ever think about it because that's mm. not how brains really work. Well, that's not how my brain really works at least. Um, <laughs> and I think that it's important to have friends that you're comfortable enough talking to you, talking mm. to rather online or in person, either or. That you can just get into a call with or or just chill in a room with and just talk to about whatever's stressing you out. Mm. And whether they're going to listen or give you advice or just whatever. It's just, I that's very helpful. Just talk, having someone to talk through things with mm. helps someone a lot. Who you can vent to and who can yeah. listen. Um, sorry, I forgot <laughs> the second question you asked now. Uh, what did the process look like for you to be able to learn how to manage that stress like that? Was that easy for you or was that a truly crunch? I need to get this work done or else I just ain't going to law school. Um, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't as hard as I feel like it should have been, at least mm. looking back on it in hindsight. <laughs> it was uh, made me I was more tired than I was before, because, like I said, I worked best early in the morning. Mm. Um. Especially, I took a I took one semester of a fifth year, um, and especially then I woke up at six thirty every weekday morning, cool. Monday through Thursday, Damn. every day for the entire quarter, um, the entire semester, just to get my work done because that's when I would be productive and get my work done. And I just sort of got into the groove of waking up at six thirty, going to bed at ten p.m. and and I would wake up at six thirty, get to the dining hall at seven when it opens, and work until my ten a.m. class. For three cool. hours. And I would get like a, so much done. I imagine that after that sense. class, you just, you could hang out with your friends, do whatever. Well, exactly. And then I've got the my work day. done. So in the afternoon, I could play video games or uh -huh. hang out with friends or whatever. I was sort of free to do whatever I needed or do my club stuff mm -hmm. in, um, after class. Once you get all your shit done in the morning, you could go. Have a good yeah, time. The rest in of my shit. Yeah. <laughs> Go nice. take care of myself. And that 
worked really well for me. How did it sort of, how did I sort of start doing that? Well, I learned in high school, high school, in high school or early university, I don't remember which, yeah. that because I think it's because I'm, I have ADHD and so I'm on meds that mm -hmm. working late into the night, like most college students do, doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, I get tired and I just cannot focus or do it. And even if I can manage to do work, it takes way longer and it's way worse. Um, so I sort of realized better to get even not, if it's not enough to get some amount of sleep, wake up and do my work. Then like in the morning when I'm a little, even if I'm just a little fresher from, I think the, like, let's say it's a terrible amount of sleep, like three hours of sleep. That's still three more hours of sleep. You're three hours less tired. I find in the morning, mm -hmm. which isn't a lot, admittedly. But it's something, and you, I can put out slightly better work than I would have, and it can be slightly faster. <laughs> so I sort of just started waking up early to do that. Even if I was going to bed later, I would just be like, whatever, I'm not getting my work done tonight. I'll go to bed, and I'll just wake up like two hours before my class to get it done then. And that mm -hmm. slowly evolved into my sort of schedule where I would just wake up at 6.30 every day and get my work done and then go to class and... So now do you naturally wake up at 6.30 or did you have like an alarm set? Uh, I graduated uh, five months ago, so no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say for being out of school for five months, my schedule has been pretty good. I wake up at 8.30 or 9.30 every morning. Yeah. Go to bed um, at like I don't, midnight. Midnight, one, um, 1.30 at the latest. I try to get eight hours of sleep every night. Yeah. So my sleep schedule is still pretty good. I try to maintain it there. I think I need to bring it back earlier again soon because I'm trying to get a job now. Mm -hmm. But right. Are you looking for a job that's uh, in law or are you uh, just going for whatever they can give you? Uh, right now, I am looking for a job in law just because it looks better on a huh. law school application. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm just looking for a job in law. What does that look I'm, like specifically if because you can't be an article mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. And even the interns that most law firms hire are law students mm -hmm. that are in between like and during the summer, like not at law school, just because they're the people that know something and can be trusted to do anything of any actual importance in the mm -hmm. law firm, because you can't give an undergraduate student important jobs because if they mess it up, you're liable. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so one of the places that I've applied to is uh, I'm applying for a tech position, like an IT sort uh, of position. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of students will be like records clerks. So just people who do filing stuff, mm. things like that. And can pull out Very, the right, right shit whenever they need to. Yeah. Just busy work, sort of. Mm. Well, IT isn't busy work, but those are usually the kinds of jobs that people do uh yeah so it can be busy work fair enough sadly enough sometimes it absolutely can be busy work but it's less busy work than like filing you know what yes, i mean it is significant because you're actively helping people filing. with things uh-huh <laughs> yeah i mean i i worked uh it or somewhere in between it for a couple of years and there was definitely enough of all right, now get 300 laptops set up so this new group can 
can Fair be enough. ready to come in and it wasn't busy work. It had shit coming along, but it was exhausting. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I can only, well, I guess ho- may, hopefully I won't have to Hopefully imagine. you'll <laughs> only have to imagine. Oh no, hopefully I won't because hopefully I'll get this job. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you don't want to, don't, no, please, I, I don't please think don't that this yourself. is that big of a law firm. I won't be setting up like 300 laptops at a time or yeah. anything. If you can be setting up like 10, that'll be great. That's my I, I don't even know if I'm if I'll be doing that. Like I think I'll yeah. be helping people, like helping set up a um AV audiovisual stuff, mm, things like yeah. that. That's what I suspect I'll be doing more, just for conferences yeah. and meetings. That makes sense. That'd be awesome. I mean, yeah. And then you can just start to learn the the feeling of being in a law firm. Yeah, hmm. and while doing something that is within my skill set right now, because though I've never officially been employed as someone who's in charge of helping people with technical difficulties and setting up audiovisual stuff. I have done it in many times in the past. <laughs> you have helped parents or I, online or friends. When I worked at, I worked at a summer camp for many mm. years and I was just sort of the go-to person to set up the projector or help people with tech problems or whatever, just because mm. I'm knowledgeable enough about it that I can actually do it. You're young and you work on computers because you like computers. <laughs> well, even like the people, because at my summer camp, the people around me are my age or younger, mm-hmm. right? It's just, I can't, I'm, yeah, I think it's cool stuff. So I like computers and I work on computers, like you said. Well, I'm going to transition a little bit more. I kind of learned that you were, you are uh, Jewish. Yes, As, I am Jewish. Have you been Jewish your entire life? Um, do yes. you practice still um so yeah my family is jewish my both my parents are uh i still live in my parents house right now i still practice and i intend to practice for the rest of my life mm-hmm. um personally it's an important part of my identity my judaism uh i'm not super religious i'm a conservative more conservative jew although i do go to a modern orthodox synagogue so maybe leaning a little more religious hmm. but yeah it's very important i still practice Every every Friday we have our family over and we do Shabbat dinner. We celebrate all the holidays. I fast on Yom Kippur. Hmm. Do you do you guys celebrate Hanukkah? Um, yeah, we celebrate Hanukkah. It's real technically one of the less important holidays because hmm. it's not hmm. in the actual Jewish Bible. It happened after the story of Hanukkah. Uh, so it doesn't have that. a ton of, yeah, it actually doesn't have a ton of religious significance. A lot of people I've found think that Hanukkah is the most important Jewish holiday because it happens to coincide with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which it's Passover is the most important one, yeah. That's also not true. Actually, the most <gasps> important Jewish holiday is Yom Kippur. <laughs> I feel like I knew uh, that, but now the, I'm just looking dumb. The <laughs> holidays that usually happen around September to November uh, not including Hanukkah, which sometimes is in November, mm-hmm. are called the high holidays, and those tend to, are the most important holidays of the year. Passover is also very important, uh, but generally those are the most important. As far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure. Do you ever have to kind of prepare for those holidays? Like, uh, is there any practice that you have to do before the holiday actually begins? Well, for some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Yom Kippur, you try to eat and drink a decent amount during the day before, not too much so that your body doesn't like getting get used to having tons of water and stuff. 
just because Yom Kippur, you have to fast for the day. Right. Um, uh, so no water, no food for 20, from, from sundown to sundown. Uh, so you sort of just make sure that you're not like super thirsty or hungry when you start. <laughs> because that's asking for having a bad fast. Uh-huh. Um, that's probably has some of the less, like a little less preparation. And then there's also things like Sukkot where you build sort of a little, it's called a sukkah, but a sort of structure in your like backyard or you go to someone else's and we don't do this, but um, more religious people will sleep in it and eat all their meals in it. We just eat our meals in it. Mm, okay. Now, That's are interesting. you... Go ahead, Jen. Um, are you more practicing now than when you were as a kid? Meaning, like... Uh, so basically, I'm Christian, but I didn't really feel closer to God until like a little bit after high school and I kind of claimed it as my own but before it was mostly like me following my parents mm-hmm. are do you more practice for yourself now or is it more for your parents um I definitely practice for myself like at school when I wasn't with my parents at all I would still fast on Yom Kippur I would still do all these things um mm-hmm. it was a little harder because I didn't have a proper like house to build a sukkah um but I would like go to the nearest. There's a rabbi at the university. I would go there and eat under his his sukkah. And I, yeah, I would say that definitely now I practice for myself. I've always, to an extent, practiced for myself. When I was little, I didn't really understand what that meant fully. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be practicing for yourself as opposed to for your parents. I just, but I, as long as I can really remember understanding what that means, being Jewish is always been an important part of my identity and with, with it practicing has been an important part of that that's cool i like that has I that ever been it. a challenge for you either in it takes a lot of time away from school or i you get hate or shit on for whatever reason for it i have experienced some anti-semitism not a ton uh throughout my life which is mm. lucky mm-hmm. uh there's definitely been, a, in high school, I went to a high school that is non-denominational, but it was a prep school. And it also was once upon a time a Catholic school. Mm. Uh, and honestly, the once upon a time a Catholic school thing is whatever. That wasn't really part of it. But there were definitely some people who had some anti-Semitic, not really views, but like, there was definitely some groups of people in my grade who don't be a Jew was a insult thrown around. Mm. Things like that. Yeah. I haven't been like ever specifically bullied for being Jewish though. Like one time I was with one of those groups of people and one of them said it to another person and I wasn't involved in like that those two people saying it at all. And a third person who was with us like told the person not to say that cuz I was in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was confusing, but <laughs> <laughs> So I've never been targeted for it really, but yeah. You've definitely seen it though, right? I like to other... I've definitely seen it. Hmm. There's um once on DU campus, I remember. There was uh people put up a bunch of like Nazi and anti-Semitic stuff on um like there's a sort of modern art installation on campus and mm. people like put up stuff onto it. And I distinctly remember the university not saying anything about it. Oh. And just oh. taking it off that same night and not telling anyone. And I only found out because my friend had seen it when it was still up. 
Um, they just took it down quietly. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, it was Halloween, so it probably wasn't students. <laughs> mm. It was probably someone else who came to the campus on Halloween while they were drunk and being stupid and did it. Uh-huh. But yeah, I definitely remember not feeling super safe walking around alone at night on campus for a couple months after that. Yeah, I I guess I understand from some extent from their point of view why they might not say something because they don't want to st- scare the students like that. Mm-hmm. But a failure to do something is just as bad. I I will say, uh, more recently there has been another incident, anti-Semitic mm-hmm. incident, where mm-hmm. there were some students. It was just after I graduated. There were some students who took uh, pig's blood. And like stuff like that and put it on like pork and stuff and put it on. I don't remember if it was pig's blood. I think it was just pork and like put it on Jewish students dorm doors. Oh, shit. And like, yeah, right. And this university took that very seriously. Oh, good. And and like directly addressed in a newsletter and like talked, worked with the Jewish organizations that are on campus and very much did a, I would say, quite a good job at addressing that and dealing with it. I think that the reason that they didn't address and deal with it on Halloween, obviously I don't have the full story because they weren't public about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it probably on Halloween wasn't students, wasn't people that were part of the DU community doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of a one-off thing that for the record, this Halloween thing happened two years before this other incident. So it was Uh very, they were very clearly separate incidences. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that they probably didn't address it because they had no way of knowing for sure that it was anyone on campus. And based on the fact that nothing happened within the next two years, it probably wasn't. Yeah. So. I don't know. Is Halloween actually something you guys, I mean, not celebrate, but still like. Uh, do something with not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Halloween isn't really. A religious holiday for anyone mm-hmm. right at this point <laughs> halloween uh, is a capitalism <laughs> holiday i just yeah. thought that we started to not celebrate it because uh was it my mom so something happened in, at least in our family and we just like after nine years old or something we just kind of stopped like it's fun to dress up it's fun to it's an excuse to basically make a cosplay and go as a character and like go out as a character. And it's an yeah. excuse to go out and hang out with friends and have some fun. Right. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I celebrate Halloween, but it doesn't have any like significance to me. You know what gotcha. I mean? Yeah. Like celebrating Sukkot or Passover, or Yom Kippur has significance to me. Like, like if I missed Halloween one year, I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> right. It's, I don't have particularly care about it. It's it, an excuse to go have some fun more than yeah, a, exactly. Hang out with your buddies, dress up mm-hmm. as something fun and crazy, and eat shit tons of candy. Yeah, it would be the same as like if I missed the missed out getting chocolate the day after Valentine's Day when it's all on sale. It's like eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I missed out on some cheap chocolate that would would have been fun, but like, uh huh. It doesn't. Oh, well. It's right. It's, it's not, not a life changer. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask. Uh, if there's anything else that seems so, I mean, obviously, anti-Semitism like is a big is a challenge at least in your life. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that's majorly 
something you've struggled with more than you think most other people have? Um, I would say so. In particular, in related to Judaism, in fact. Because mm-hmm. um, even the anti-Semitism has, like, its flip-flop side, where when I reach out to Jewish people that are in the Jewish community that I know to try and get a mm-hmm. job, which is what I'm doing right now, I'm much more likely to get a job because I'm in the Jewish community and they know mm-hmm. me. Right? So there's sort of that, there's two sides to being part of the Jewish community. But this is, I also find that I've had trouble with dating to an extent because of it. Because one thing that's important to me is being Jewish. I'm being Jewish my whole life and raising my kids Jewish. And it's not necessarily like I can't find someone who I'd be interested in being in a relationship with and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But it's more, it's one, it's a lot I narrow my options a lot when I'm only looking at people who are Jewish, which is something impo- that's very important to me that I marry someone who's Jewish and that my kids mm-hmm. are Jewish. Yeah. Um, but also like that I'd be interested in and that has similar interests as I do and things like that. So I find I've had difficulty finding a partner who is Jewish that I want to date. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm pretty shy about asking people out and things like that so mm. i'm not i'm not great at doing it so on top of like limiting my options i'm also shy about asking people out and it's just it makes it a lot harder and even i recently got out of a relationship with someone who wasn't jewish and it was really tough being in a relationship with someone who wasn't jewish even though they were trying like con- trying to convert uh before we got into a relationship they were heavily considering converting it was just they didn't have the same shared experiences and my parents were sort of iffy about it because they weren't Jewish yet and they had my parents wanted them to convert Orthodox so that everyone would recognize my kids as Jewish and I care very much about what my parents think of me and of my partner. Mm-hmm. So it's I find that that's been difficult. That's something mm-hmm. that I've found to be difficult. And I know a lot of people don't care as much about marrying Jewish uh, these days. I personally think that it's very important to me. Do you mind if I ask why that is something? It's just is it just the shared experience and the growing up in that household is something important to you and something you want to impart into your kids? Yeah, it's it's very much it has a lot to do with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um I want whoever I'm with to have to agree with me about mm-hmm. the way that I want to raise my kids and I want to raise my kids in such a way that they can go to the same Jewish summer camp I went I've been going to since I was in grade 2 and mm-hmm. can go to the same schools and and have these same shared experiences. And because honestly, I'm very lucky and I've been very happy with my life Mm. on whole. I'm very happy. I have a loving family. I've had tons of opportunities and experiences. And I do think that part of that is because I've been part of the Jewish community and had certain opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't Jewish. Like I've heard what Christian summer camp is like, and I've heard that it's, it sounds a lot less fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because honestly, Sorry, there's some. I I mean, I went to a I wanted to a Christian summer camp, but I've heard of a lot of other summer camps that are not as great, and it's more forced down your throat than just having a good time at a summer camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at my summer camp, it's also it's on a lake. It's up in the interior in a very nice area, and it's it's just like. Num- priority number one is that the kids have a great summer and have a ton of fun. Priority number two is teaching them about Judaism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? In that order. So, and even, like, there's a lot of 
sort of ham-fisted, I'm going to say in quotation marks, uh, like Judaism things, like adding Judaism into programs or Zionism into programs. But even then, like when it's really blatantly obvious, it's sort of played for a laugh to an extent that yeah. the older campers will get and will think is funny. It's like, it's like you know, uh, let me see if, see if I can think of an example. Oh, here's a great example. There's a sporting event at the summer camp mm -hmm. and that they do once every summer. Mm -hmm. And the whole camp gets divided into three teams and they compete. Uh, and what I did is you want to, I was in charge of organizing it. It was my job as a head staff. And one thing that you do is you do an intro to sort of like tell everyone that it's starting. And it's a secret when it's starting. So no one knows other than the other head staff. Mm. And what I did is I made up for the intro, I walked into the center of like the camp meeting that we do every night and just went, okay, everyone, today we're due tomorrow is escape to Israel and everyone sighs loudly, <laughs> like audibly. Cause like, oh no. <laughs> and I just like, I intentionally made it sort of this joke program and I just made it as much of the kind of program that we need to do because it's a Zionist Jewish camp, mm. but is very clearly like, and it'll be probably be fun, but it's like, it'll be full of this sort of ham fisted stuff. Mm. We don't force people. I think the biggest difference is we don't force people to accept what we're telling them. We just force people. We just want that's, the campers to think about it. We want to yeah. educate them. <laughs> that's actually kind of nice. Cause the, there's other camps out there that are, like I said, pushing things down people's throats, either yeah. Christianity or, uh, mm -hmm. most of the time it's i've it's only christianity that i've heard of um but up at your camp do you guys bring in people who are not uh practicing jews um is, is not there as like campers but definitely Sorry. as staff members um as staff not a ton uh mm -hmm. it does happen mm -hmm. uh usually not as like staff that are in charge of running the camp mm. uh a great example is like there are some programs like we've had a rock wall program before where once a day people will come and like our camp was a rock wall, but they oh, would get a professional from an yeah. outside camp who wasn't Jewish uh -huh. to come manage that because uh -huh. they don't have any, because all the staff are like, un, like 22 or under, right. <laughs> but they don't have anyone who's like professionally trained to deal with that. Right. To properly uh -huh. and safely run a rock wall. And that's probably um, extra money anyway, if you yeah. are also working on the rock wall. So easier to just hire someone in. Yeah. Uh, it's not extra money. As someone who was the head of archery at our camp for a number <laughs> of years, you don't get any, you don't get paid any more for having well, a skill set than no one else has. <laughs> you get a sweet kiss and a pat on the back. Um, you get put on that period all the time, though, uh, <laughs> which was brutal my first year in forty-five degree weather, um, oh, with no shade, like uh, out on the archery field four hours a day. Jesus. You didn't even have like a cover or like. Nope. Oh. Um, oh. We got a cover in my second year, but my second year one wasn't as sunny and two was way windier, so it blew away and got broken almost immediately. And that's happened god. every time we've gotten a cover for the archery field. No. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, the camp is Zionist, so we do have like ideals and certain values that we try to like teach the kids, but right. Because it's it's supporting Israel. The camp supports Israel, but we don't be like Israel is this shining beacon of good. We go, this is what's going on in Israel. Not all of it's good. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh huh. 
It's an actual nuanced understanding. Yeah. Because you have to understand that no, it's not nothing's perfect. Christianity mm. has its problems. It also has its virtues. There's definitely mm. good things about Christianity too. Historically, maybe not as many, but in practice, <laughs> in in but in in practice, there's a Christianity has values that it teaches that are good. A mm. lot of religions do. There, it also has values that it teaches, or there are things that people have done in the name of those values that maybe aren't as good. And uh -huh. it's worth it's worth talking about that. It's not. I don't think it's fair to say all religion is bad or or all religion is good and you should believe in god i think that it's just important to talk about things and to understand where everyone's coming from and why people think th certain things that's a good perspective to have I, yeah that's kind of how i have perceived things in the past couple of years that all religions have their unique um good unique and good morals or values but mm -hmm. it's what you do with those values and morals that affect what kind of people look at certain parts of uh, mm -hmm. the religion yeah and i think that it gets a bad rap because a lot of people do mm. not good yeah. things with uh, in the name of those values and morals exactly mm -hmm. i but, think that well, is a lot of uh a lot of religions a lot of belief systems a lot of morals people will try to push on others and do terrible things in order to enact mm -hmm. and ultimately that is what i think gets like christianity its bad name what gets atheism its bad name what gets like capitalism and communism both their bad name mm -hmm. i agree yeah. i mean yeah because people take things too far mm -hmm. beyond their to, um to their extremes uh-huh and, yeah, and they yeah. don't stop to understand what the other side is. They don't take a second to understand why people believe this. They just, yeah, I don't, and therefore it is wrong. People don't stop to think, and that's a huge problem today, I think, more than, like, for more than, maybe not more than ever, but more mm -hmm. than in the past, certainly, that people don't care what, other, what the other side, why the other side thinks what they do. They just care that they disagree with them, and they think that it, they're bad people because of it. Yeah. Which is honestly why I think this podcast is so cool and why I'm really honored that you guys brought me on. <laughs> because this podcast is really about talking to people from, from what I've gathered at least, talking to people from different walks of life and learning about who they are and, as you put it, why they are. Why they think certain things. And well, you put of... it at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Worthy <laughs> interviewees I, this episode. I think, that that's, I think that that's probably the most, something that's, lacking a lot in society today especially on the internet and oh, really yeah. is important and needs to not be lacking mm. yeah i think the internet is definitely all our culprit for why we are lacking that empathy and that yeah want to understand one another because the internet pushes us away from it a lot of the time uh-huh it can yeah. push us towards it, but people don't use it that way, and people have discovered that it's less profitable to use it that way mm -hmm. in cases... Like, I would argue that Tumblr, for example, th whatever you think about Tumblr, is generally... I find that more people understand each other on Tumblr than on Twitter. And mm -hmm. Twitter mm. makes... Well, maybe not right now, but for <laughs> a long time. Twitter makes way more money than Tumblr does, I'm sure. <laughs> Twitter, in theory, makes more money than Tumblr yeah. does. But or Tumblr like, also basically doesn't Tumblr doesn't profit. Yeah, exactly. But Tumblr's a platform that doesn't push people into echo chambers where they won't mm -hmm. understand other people. Uh -huh. 
obviously it can because there's no there's shenanigans. I'm not going to talk into the mechanics of Tumblr, but I'm not that I'm on Tumblr or Twitter really. But <laughs> I think that it lends itself to that a lot less. Uh, do you think that all in all we are better for having the internet, or do you think it has caused so much division like that that it is ultimately a either neutral uh, gain or a net negative? I think that I'm going to take a step back from the internet and talk about technology as a whole Okay. for a moment. I think that yeah. technology as a whole is net positive. I think that more mm. people... Though we, though because of the internet and because of communication technology, we now know about more of the people that aren't living as well as we are, mm -hmm. or that are living better than us. I think that throughout all of history, there has always been people who have been living worse or better than other people. I think that more people are living higher up in their quality of life than they would have been without the invention of a, without a lot of modern inventions. Mm. So while we, I think that people are deceived by the fact that we can see so much more of the bad going on in the world into blaming technology for that bad. I think the bad, bad was going on without technology. And I think that more people have benefited than lost. Hmm. That said, um, our global system <laughs> it's just kind of a mess. I was an international studies major. Um, <laughs> we have, because of our communication technology is as advanced as it is, we have created a system as humans that is more advanced and complicated than any one person can understand. Mm -hmm. And as such is more, is larger and harder to change and like, and harder to make an impact on than any, than is realistic. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, like, think about trying to take on the global system of, like, economics and trade uh -huh. that capitalism is, like, that, that capitalism has created to an extent. And I'm not going to say capitalism bad, because, like I said, that's not a very nuanced approach to the topic. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think it's just dumb to dismiss something as bad. Um, but capitalism especially has, in a lot of places, been taken too far, I think, right now. Mm -hmm. Where people can where profit comes before anything else before the well-being of people hmm. and because at the end of the day i feel like the point of capitalism is to make everyone profit to increase everyone's well-being but because of the global system we have there are so many entities that aren't really beholden to governments who try to force them to care about people that we sort of, sorry, this is a little hard for me to get across. Mm. It's a complicated it just, topic, and yeah. indenting it down to a couple of sentences is kind of hard. It's difficult because we can't like take on these giant corporations or these giant, or just the system. It's hard to change the system to make it better. Mm. That's, I, yeah. and that's what I think the problem with technology is. On the flip side of that, I think that the only way to gain any traction to be able to change the system is using the technology that allowed it to be created, which is our right. communication technology. Because mm -hmm. you need enough people with enough and enough important people with enough power to actually make the changes. Because no, not even one important person with that kind of power doesn't have enough to make the changes that are needed. So it's really about the internet has both good and bad. 
I don't think I can conclusively say that it's neutral. I don't think I can conclusively say that it's good nor bad. I think that you'd have to do like a study on the internet and all of its effects throughout its history, which is just impossible. Which is, yeah, like we were talking about, impossibly large. Yeah, it's just, I think that, I think that there's good and bad. And that kind of applies with almost anything. And the internet is a, it's a tool, like everything. And this is definitely not my opinion. Like, well, this is what I think, but it's definitely not an opinion I created. Mm -hmm. But it's like any technology, it's a tool. And how it's used affects what influence it has. People can use it to spread hate and to cause riots and protests. And on the flip side of that, sometimes those protests can be against corrupt governments that are Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Those protests can do great things. And sometimes they can just cause further suffering. Exactly. So it's, it's, there's no real way to be like, the internet is good. The internet is bad. It's more nuanced than that. The internet and, moreover, communication technology as a whole is an unbelievably complicated system that has changed our society into a way that it is no longer recognizable. Mm -hmm. And an incredibly powerful system. Uh But only if you can, only if it's used properly can it be Mm -hmm. used for anything. Hmm. Well, I... I think that's where we're going to call it today. Uh-huh. There's some fair enough. I some very loved... good takes right at the end there. <laughs> it was a very good take. Uh-huh. I love mm-hmm. talking to you, Joey. I, yeah, every thank time you so I... much for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. It was really fun. Every time we hang out, I learn something new about you, even though <laughs> most of the time we hang out, we play bullshit game like Halo and fair Among enough. Us. But... Um, <laughs> This time but, it was that I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Not the only thing. No, I know, I know. <laughs> the <laughs> only takeaway. Should I give everyone reference quickly before we wrap up for that? For you being Jewish? No, 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 no. no. So at the beginning of the podcast, Shannon was reading the little God. intro that I wrote for myself and went, hold on, you're Jewish? <laughs> it was like big shocker moment. And now I you've known like each other for like three years now. Yeah, I've known like... for ages. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> sorry to sorry to uh, put a spotlight over that, but yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I had a ton of um, fun, and I was really glad to talk with you guys. Yeah, it was really good talking with you. We've got the lovely housekeeping stuff. Um, <laughs> thank you to Nadia Diaz for our podcast cover art. Her Instagram will be linked into the in the description, um, but it is at Arthead Creations, um, no spaces, no capitals, and it's going to be in the description, like I said. And then thank you to Jensen Kral who made our intro and outro song for the podcast. I am still waiting on a a link from him uh, about his the what is it the uh, musical writing work workshop, but. Um, he has his song knocking on doors for his musical tea time, uh, still out and about go check it out. The other thing is, uh, send us some questions. We've got our email waiting for the number four seconds at gmail.com. Send us some questions and we can ask people like Joey, uh, random things. We would love to hear your questions. 
Mm-hmm. I gave everyone uh, a thumbs up when you said like Joey, but no one can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's an audio medium, man. <laughs> <laughs> try though. Maybe we'll go visual. I don't know. Maybe. Regardless, Maybe. no one will ever see the thumbs up I gave them. <laughs> <laughs> that um, thumbs up is gone. <laughs> thank you again, Joey, for hanging yeah, out and you. letting us get to know you. But uh, we'll see everybody next time. Goodbye. Bye. See, see you ya. next time.